Hello, everybody. I hope this podcast episode finds you well. I just got off work. It's Thursday, but I have a three-day weekend, baby. So we're going to get into this episode, this Thrive Thursday, and it's really going to be touching on a topic that I wrote a debate paper on last month for my advanced public health nutrition course. I got to choose whatever public health nutrition related topic that I perceive as controversial in the media. So I decided to write and speak on red wine and its proposed positive health impacts on our heart when consumed in moderate amounts. So also fun fact, it happens to be the second day of Lent. And you know, I really don't drink much alcohol anymore when I think of what I used to drink in college when, you know, I had my reckless stage and kind of just used it as a crutch in disguising my feelings, I guess, not really wanting to deal with them and just kind of like drinking myself into oblivion some nights. So now I really, when I drink, especially also because I'm on psych medications, it's definitely not recommended to consume alcohol when taking medications of that sort. So anyway, when I do drink, it's typically one to three drinks maybe over a course of a very long night, like five or six hours probably, if that. Maybe the most I've had in like the last year or two is four drinks and that's a lot. I like fall asleep now. So definitely a lot more uh, of a lightweight when it comes to alcohol, thankfully. But second day of Lent, I decided yesterday to give up alcohol for the 40 days and 40 nights, which I did one other year or made it close in college. But then my birthday always falls in Lent somehow. And I gave up alcohol, but then, or no, I gave up beer one year because I was super into beer, shitty beer, at least in college like pre-gaming and whatnot. And I remember I went out to the bar with my roommates and one of our friends bought me a car bomb, which is just Guinness and Baileys. He dropped the Baileys in if you never had one. And then you chug it. And I didn't realize at the time after, until after I took the shot that there was Guinness in it because I was just stupid. Anyway, gave up alcohol. When I do drink alcohol these days, I typically go for wine, usually red wine, and you know, I'm not like a very sophisticated red wine drinker. I'm kind of like a Michael Scott, like him saying, oh, it has an oaky afterbirth or whatever, like that's my extent of wine knowledge. I usually just drink Pinot Noir. I've tried other red wines like Cab Sav, Merlot, or as Paul calls it, jokingly, Merlot. But I just haven't gotten acquainted with the taste. It's not not my thing yet. I don't know. Maybe it will be as I get older because at one point I didn't like coffee and now I guzzle that. But now I'm rambling. So we're going to get back to red wine and heart health and its supposed health impacts that are positive. So the purpose of my debate paper was to determine whether or not red wine serves as a protective agent for heart health. 
like I said before, it's really been a topic of interest in the public health and nutrition fields in recent decades. And there are many studies out there that either uphold or combat drinking red wine as a protective agent for heart health. And because of this, there's information on both sides of the argument that's easily accessible since today we just have so much information at our fingertips due to all these technological resources we are privileged to have. So a couple facts on red wine. A five ounce pour is a standard serving size. Women are recommended to have no more than one alcoholic beverage a day, and for men, it's no more than two. When I was looking into the research on red wine, just to get a general overview to present to my classmates, there were so many regions where red wine is produced around the world that I never really knew of or considered, but popular regions that I came across many times in my research are France, Italy, and Napa Valley, California. There are a lot of different varieties of red wine, and I mentioned these three, Cab Sav or Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, and my personal favorite, Pinot Noir. Also recently, this is kind of off topic, but I found out that Pinot Noir actually has the least amount of sugar of all the red wines, which is pretty cool. All right. So I was really cheesy in this presentation Um, my kind of tagline for my sides were red wine is heart healthy, yay or cabernet. So we're going to talk first about the pro argument. So this belief that yes, red wine in fact does have heart protecting factors when consumed in moderate amounts, aka one to two glasses a day. So the pro argument is red wine may increase the body's antioxidant presence and decrease oxidative stress and coronary heart disease related mortality. So we're going to talk in about some research now. So there was a study by Mikolaf et al. And they observed how 400 milliliters of daily Cabernet Sauvignon intake for two weeks straight in subjects that were 18 to 30 years old and 50 years or older impacted their antioxidant and oxidative stress measurements in the circulatory system. Then they also had a control group that was compared to the alcohol drinking groups and the control group was sober for that two week period. So those that drank the alcohol, those two different groups, showed that consuming red wine had an association with heightened antioxidant concentration with a simultaneous reduction in oxidative stress, regardless of whether they were 18 to 30 years old or in the 50 plus club. So another piece of the puzzle in the pro argument of this debate is that resveratrol may decrease blood lipid accumulation and LDL or bad cholesterol oxidation. So there's a ton of different antioxidants present in red wine, and they're also known as polyphenols. So one of the, probably the most prominent polyphenol or antioxidant of red wine is resveratrol. And this particular antioxidant has gained sizable attention because of its suspected cardioprotective nature. It's been argued that resveratrol could potentially shield against cardiovascular damage as there have been some experimental studies that 
show that consuming resveratrol may help in a higher output or flowing out of cholesterol from our blood vessel walls, along with lower cholesterol uptake via these components in our body called macrophages, which are a type of white blood cell. And on top of this, resveratrol may even help reduce the amount of oxidation of bad cholesterol in our bodies. So that's kind of the pro argument. Now, the pro argument originated in the 1980s. And this was based off of this idea called the French paradox, which is essentially a theory where scientists kind of were confused on how France as a country as a whole had such a low rate of coronary heart disease, despite the fact that they consumed the or one of the highest diets or one of the, yeah, I can't talk. Their diet was arguably the highest in total fat and saturated fat intakes in all of Europe. And they also saw that they consumed some red wine pretty frequently. So it was interesting and they really wanted to look into this further. They were like, hmm, maybe this has a cardioprotective effect when consumed in moderate amounts. And so they discovered resveratrol, and then they kind of came up with a theory that, oh, this might be a cardioprotective component in red wine. So then another part of the pro-argument is that there is less coronary heart disease mortality or deaths from heart disease in wine drinkers, specifically red wine drinkers, in comparison to people who drink beer, liquor, or even live sober lives. So there are a variety of different studies I came across that explore this further. One being the 1995 Copenhagen City Study, which was a prospective population study that had over 13,000 subjects aged 30 to 70 years old, and it really sought out to see the link between red wine intake and its benefit to heart health. So it looked at the consumption levels of either wine, beer, or liquor in relation to death from heart disease. So after the study, about 10 to 12 years after, there was a period where it was found that those that drank three to five glasses of red wine each day had a lower relative risk for heart disease death than people in the study who didn't drink any red wine at all. Now, people that drank three to five glasses of liquor or beer daily had a greater risk for mortality from heart disease than those who didn't drink any liquor or beer. Another 10-year epidemiological study then investigated the long-term impacts that one to three daily glasses of beer or wine could have on heart disease death among more than 24,000 participants. And it was found that low to moderate wine drinking had half the rate of cardiovascular-related death than those who drank beer or liquor, and even those without any alcohol intake whatsoever. Then another systematic review that was conducted later on replicated these findings, and the systematic review looked at a ton of cohort studies with large populations that were carried out by the same research group. So it's interesting because like maybe there was some bias there, 
Um, on top of that, there was an 18-year study among 36,000 middle-aged French men, and they drank moderate amounts of red wine, which equates to 22 to 53 grams of alcohol daily. And these participants showed a 45 to 48% lower incidence of coronary heart disease mortality than men who didn't drink any type of alcohol, even when adjustments were made for factors like age, body mass index, physical activity, smoking, and education levels. So all these outcomes from these various studies suggest that frequent to low, frequent low to moderate red wine intake may potentially help sustain a healthy heart throughout the lifespan. I'm sorry that I keep stumbling on my words. I can't talk anymore today. I just feel like my brain's a pile of mush, but I'm pushing through this because I've been meaning to get this episode out and it's pretty interesting to learn about. Now we're going to dive into the negative or con argument of this debate. So there's two main points to this side of the story. Alcohol's general presence people suggest is or has a greater effect than the chosen alcohol type in terms of cardioprotective ability. So basically, instead of the distinct components that are present in each drink, like red wine, beer, or liquor, the alcohol content itself in these different alcoholic beverages may actually be more responsible for enhancing heart health outcomes than just the type of drink that you like, which is kind of okay, maybe. And then the other piece of it is that consumers of different alcohols have various lifestyle and behavioral habits that may prevent or promote coronary heart disease. So the results that support that red wine may aid in better preventing coronary heart disease really could be related to a lot of biases of the overall diets and lifestyle choices of study participants that drink red wine over different types of alcohol. So this is because in general, think about it, like red wine usually costs more than other alcoholic beverages if you want a good bottle of red wine. So this fact might mean that those that choose red wine as their drink of choice might have greater economic opportunities to attain nutrient-dense foods, or exercise safely and regularly in their neighborhoods or elsewhere, they probably even have better access to healthcare overall. And all these different factors probably better their chances of controlling for heart disease risk factors because these different social determinants of health are advantageous to them in comparison to other subjects that drink beer or liquor. So yes, red wine does contain healthy polyphenols such as resveratrol, but there have not been any observational studies out there that have been able to pinpoint that a particular kind of alcoholic beverage, again, whether it be beer, liquor, or wine, is more protective against coronary heart disease than another. So many cohort studies have leaned toward red wine being more strongly correlated with lowered coronary heart disease risk, but This, again, might be because most of the populations followed adhered to healthy drinking patterns that consisted of the daily recommended intake of one to two alcoholic beverages. And there was a study conducted by Klatsky et al. that echoed this 
by finding that behavioral and personal characteristics of each group of people that drink either red wine, liquor, or beer greatly varied. And this could be the real main reason why they had differing risk rates for cardiovascular health issues. So this study followed over 53,000 white women and men that were enrolled in a Northern California prepaid health plan. And this collected information on the participants' preferences on alcoholic beverage of the three drinks, again, red wine, beer, or liquor. So from this study, it was found that the typical wine drinker of the group from this population was classified as a young to middle-aged woman who didn't smoke, had a higher education level, and didn't express any risk or symptoms of illness. Those who were big into liquor were typically middle-aged to older men that drank more heavily, had lower education levels, and were more prone to having risk factors or symptoms for chronic diseases. And then last, the beer drinkers were mostly young men, and their lifestyle habits were kind of in the middle of the red wine consumers and the liquor lovers. So more supporting evidence for the con side of the argument in this debate is that a lot of the human research I found was obtained from observational studies. So other results were even taken from animal and in vitro studies. So even the fact that animal study data that I found was used as supporting evidence is controversial. So for example, it showed in some animal studies that the heart protective resveratrol doses in animals had to be extrapolated immensely to show that humans would essentially have to drink a ton of red wine each day in order to reap the same heart health benefits. I think it said at like a, at least like 100 glasses or something crazy, which obviously we can't do. So another thing to take into consideration is that resveratrol concentrations in different types of red wine differ. And this is because of so many different factors that go into just making a bottle of wine. So I didn't really consider this before, but things like the vineyard, it's the grapes are grown at, the microclimate, the strain type, temperature, sulfur dioxide content, pH level, wine making techniques, and even the year that the bottle of wine is produced. The concentration of red wine resveratrol levels vary between 0.36 to 2 milligrams per liter, and these amounts are too small to protect against heart health onset. Then, remember how I said that it was presumed that resveratrol, this polyphenol slash antioxidant in red wine, may aid in lowering lipid panel markers like LDL cholesterol and things of that nature. So there was a meta-analysis of 21 randomized clinical trials that examined the impact of resveratrol intake on a lipid panel, and it exhibited insignificant changes in factors like total cholesterol, LDL or bad cholesterol, or HDL or good cholesterol, even when the dosage of resveratrol, intervention length, age of participants, sex of participants, and their BMIs were taken into account. So this data aligns with a study conducted by Tomei Carniero et al.'s proposal, and they found that resveratrol's cardioprotective capacity really isn't as powerful as perceived because it also has limited 
availability in humans since we absorb it, metabolize it, and excrete it fairly quickly. So based on all of these different points, it's clear that human research, there needs to be more of it because evidence is lacking in human studies. They're pulling from animal and in vitro studies to support this argument, and that's just not going to cut it in the research world. So a bit of a last call on this debate. Again, I was very punny and cheesy in this presentation. I wish I could show you my slides. I, oh, also I forgot to mention the debate paper. We had to obviously state both sides of the argument and then present our side that we stood with. So I definitely back up the negative side or the con side that disputes that red wine is heart healthy. There's just not enough substantial information among humans. And really, more randomized double-blind control studies with more diverse populations are definitely needed. So many of the studies that I came across just focused in on white individuals or white populations. And clearly, that's not how this world is made up. There's not just white people. So there really needs to be more racially diverse populations taken into consideration in future randomized double-blind control studies because, you know, maybe these heart health outcomes differ in other races. I mean, we know for a fact that different races have different mortality rates from heart disease, and that obviously isn't just because of red wine. It's because of all these different social determinants of health, but it would be a lot better and more substantial concrete evidence to support the positive argument if it were found that red wine is actually protective to the heart in all these different races. So that was something that was like a red flag immediately reviewing all the research that I came across. So that's kind of it in general, but in the meantime, red wine can continue to be enjoyed in moderation if you want to as part of a balanced diet. One to two glasses a day, depending on how you're feeling, I guess, your tolerance. But when we do raise the glass, we should definitely not make the assumption that just because it's red wine, it'll automatically and positively affect our heart health. All right, till next time, y'all.